Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Behind the Sounds. I am super excited today to be joined by Miss Gillian Jacqueline. Thank you so much for being here. I know you are super busy at the moment. Your new album is just about to come out. How are things going? Well, thank you for having me, Leah. Um, so nice to talk to you. Yeah, this is like the craziest week of my year, probably. So um, every day I've woken up and kind of have like 10 things to make sure that I do um, for the album because, you know, now social media is a huge part of our job. So, <laughs> which I am like not that good at. Um, so my team constantly has to remind me, hey, you have to film this thing. You have to do this. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to stay on top of all that. But yeah, um, gosh, this week is such a like breath of um, relief in a lot of ways because this record has kind of been the one thing. I've been focusing on for the last two years of my life. Um, that's kind of been the beacon, you know, up ahead. And so now that we're here, it feels um, wild and very exciting. And also just, you know, from a creative standpoint, there, there I think there's a certain um, lifespan of something when you have it just to yourself. And then it's very important to kind of let go of it um, and to release it out into the world and to let it become other people's. Um, I, there, I have this favorite quote that David Bowie, I think it was David Bowie said, like, the minute you start hating all the songs is the minute that you need to put the record out. <laughs> and admit, so I've, I've lived with them for long enough now. I don't hate them, but I'm definitely like, okay, I, I really want these to become everybody else's now. Um, because that's the power of music is the connection too, you know? So I'm very excited for people to hear them and for them to kind of get to identify what songs are their favorites and you know um and hopefully find some of themselves in the lyrics yeah it, it's so interesting you say that because as you say you have been working on it for so long is there a part of you that obviously you don't start to hate the songs but do you just overthink them and kind of go back to them and think oh could we do this better could we do this better or is there a point where you're just like no that's it leave it <laughs> walk away that's yeah really good question actually I am much more um impulsive and much more like I will kind of fly with the first thing that I do instinctually. And I'll be like, that's great. I want to, I want to do that. That was my instinct. I should follow that. Um, however, I made this record with um, my husband and my, my producer, Topher Brown. So they both came together, they're brothers. So they co-produced the record with me. So it was like all in the family. Um, and they, you know, Brian works very differently than I do. He's much more methodical and analytical and, he likes to kind of pull things apart and try 10 different versions of something before he commits. And so that was really challenging for me um, because I probably would have put this record out in the pandemic because I'm just like, I got to let it go, you know? <laughs> and thank God I didn't because I, I've learned so much now that um, I think you have to challenge yourself sometimes uh, with your with your music and, and whatever you do. I think it's important to bring other people's perspective in and to kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit. So to answer your question, um, I, I historically I'm not kind of, um, a, you know, let's keep going back and reworking it. I'm not that person, but I have since kind of become that person because now I realize that it can get 10 times better if you just give it room to breathe and be patient um, and keep trying to find like, maybe there's a better way to do this. So yeah, that was a huge learning curve for me, honestly, with this album, no pun intended. Hi yeah there you go um I love that and we will we're gonna delve right into the album in just just a moment but I want to go back because I 
it's mad that this is your first full-length album right so which is so bizarre to me who feels like I've been listening to your music for for so many years and it's crazy to think there hasn't been that full-length album but going back you started your career super young in a a way that not many people get to start careers um can you tell us a bit about how you got into the industry yeah of course um yeah you know I started singing from a very young age the way a lot of kids do like in the back of the car when the radio was on just kind of belting it out and I think my parents when I was like six or seven were like is that good that's kind of good like (laughs) is she good and they they like we're like, well, maybe we should take her to some open mic nights and see if she wants to get up and sing in front of people. And, and I did, and I, I enjoyed it. And then my mom started getting um, this newspaper that tells you what auditions are happening in New York City for Broadway shows. And I was not a child actor by any means. In fact, I was more introverted. You know, I enjoyed singing, but I would like keep my eyes closed the whole time. And I wasn't like, look at me, look at me. And so it was really um, definitely a stretch. But I went and auditioned for a show when I was nine that Kenny Rogers had written and was putting on at the Beacon Theater in New York City. And I, by this wild stroke of luck, got the part. Um, I didn't even have a headshot. I was like so unprepared. (laughs) But for whatever reason, they liked that I was kind of this normal little girl who could sing. And so I got the part and that really um, turned into, you know, six years of my life. So, you know, from age 10 to 16, I was doing this show with Kenny. And of course, he's so tied to the country world. And I had grown up listening to country music and it just really felt natural. And he kind of became this grandfather mentor figure in my life. And so he brought me on tour with him a lot. And then he also brought me down to Nashville when I was very young and I got to do, you know, I sang at the Ryman when I was a little kid and did like some TV shows here. And uh, so I kind of like got a taste for it as a, as a child. And then my sisters and I ended up getting homeschooled and forming a, a sister band around the same time. And so I was performing with them all over, you know, wherever we could play basically. Um, and uh, my family moved to New York City during that time. And so I was getting kind of acclimated to New York City clubs and uh, just the whole live music scene. And so I really feel like I got this crash course education in what it feels like to do music professionally from a very young age. And that's why, you know, being homeschooled for all those years by age like 16, I was kind of like, you know, I kind of want to be a normal kid. I, I like felt a little burnout from my like, my child career, you know, and so I went back to high school for two years, and then I went to college for four years, and really didn't sing for four years, I, I just sort of put it on the back burner, Um, I wanted to sort of make sure, I guess, that that was really what I wanted to pursue full-time in my life, and so I, I kind of did all these other things, I thought I might want to be a journalist, everything was like writing-based, because I love words, and, um, you know, but I, I ended up graduating and immediately moving to Nashville, and, just kind of felt right and just dove in, got a waitressing job, started going to writer's rounds, introducing myself to people. I mean, that's like the very condensed version, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've been yeah. in Nashville for 12 years now. And, um, you know, I, I, I think I pride myself on my tunnel vision, but I also feel like what side A and side B where I felt like I hit the ground running and it was like, no stopping. It was like so fast. Everything happened really fast. And I, it was so crazy, amazing, like opening for all these amazing artists on the road, um, getting to meet so many fans, going to the UK several times. Like it was just really a beautiful time, um, but it almost didn't leave room for life. So I feel like I didn't really have enough 
um, you know, perspective, if you will, uh, to even know, like, what do I want the broad scope of a record to sound like? And so thank God for the pandemic, I guess, because it really did give me time to sit back and reassess and get back to like the heart of what I, I really wanted to say. I, I love that. And I think it, I actually think you can hear it in, and in a lot of people's music and particularly yours in that it just, it's almost like this breath of fresh air and that everyone's got a new perspective on things. And I'm so glad you spoke about writing music in the pandemic. Obviously you spoke about working with your husband and Tofa, who we've had on the show, we love. Um, and I wanted to talk about a song that you released in the pandemic with them, um, which is Wait for the Light. And I think that, and I, we, I spoke to Tofa about this, it was very kind of poignant for that, that time. Um, what made you, because, and that was your first, kind of independently released track as well and what made you do it at that point mm. um I was I I struggled a lot when I left my label um admittedly it, it can sort of feel like the ground um falls out beneath you a little bit because you don't have this this bigger team of people that you had and I I still have incredible agents and I had my management team and there was a lot of those core people still there um but during that time when I was independent and then the pandemic happened, there was a little bit of um, panic, I guess, if you will. I was like, oh gosh, how do I keep this going? Um, and people haven't heard anything from me. And so there was a little bit of anxiety of like, not wanting to be forgotten about that kind of started urging me to like, I should write, I should write. But really where Wait for the Light came from is when I feel like there was this collective sort of heaviness happening um, we were all really struggling through this isolation and and then the George Floyd stuff also um, happened. So we had written the song in May um, and then it kind of just became even more uh, poignant and I felt like more important for people to hear because um, I kind of reverted back to very classic, simple, timeless songs in the pandemic. I was listening to a lot of like Sam Cooke and even like Edith Piaf and Patsy Klein and What a Wonderful World and the Everly Brothers, just like very um, warm, comforting music. And that's kind of what I wanted to hear. And so I thought, what if we just sit down at the piano and write like the most classic, simple song to our neighbors that we can? Like, what do we want to hear from people right now? And it took us maybe an hour and it just kind of fell out at their grandmother's piano. And um, it was really an exercise for me in not questioning anything and just kind of saying something um, as purely as I could. And that chorus um, is still one of my favorite things that I've written. And I just feel like, you know, it, it kind of came to us and it was timely. And, and we felt like, well, there's no use in holding on to it. I think people need music now more than ever. So let's just put it out and, and you know, hope that it resonates with somebody and is comforting to someone. So, and we got some amazing um, support on that song, which it was really the first time that I put something out and didn't care what it did. I, I just was like, doesn't really matter. I just hope that someone finds it and it makes them feel less alone. So that was the story behind Wait for the Light. And it was very important for me at that time to have something creatively to pour into. Um, if you know me, I am a very like doer person. And so I need to kind of be like spinning my wheels around something um, creatively or be inspired by something at all times. And if I am not in that place, I'm not fun to be around. 
um so that that really kept my wheels going and it was that was just as much sort of a balm for me as it as it might have been for someone else you know it really was and as you say that the timing of it you know that's the beauty of of music as you say is that for one thing that someone can't say you can probably describe it in a song which I'm sure that that did for a lot of people and you obviously mentioned before you you were in a band with your sisters and you wrote with them and performed with them and now you're doing it with your husband and, and his brother what is is there something that really attracts you to writing with with family and or did it just kind of was it inevitable this whole time it's really interesting I've never really realized that when I gravitate towards <laughs> Um, I love that you pointed that out. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for feeling like you have complete transparency, a very safe space, um, people that really know you. I, I'm a very, actually a very private person by nature. And so it's very important for me in a room to feel very safe um, to say what I need to say. And that's why Topher and I really just kind of banded together because it just, it was this instant connection, um, like on a deep, deep level where we just really understood each other musically. And I realized that if you can find someone like that, that can finish your musical brain, you know, and just kind of like be the other half of your, of your musical brain, if you will. Um, I think that's when the best music gets made. Um, you know, I think there's a reason why certain artists work with the same producers every time. And it's like this legendary partnership. It's because they just kind of symbiotically understand each other. So, and then with my family, you know, there's something to be said for sibling harmony. And I grew up feeling like this, it was just easy for us. Like the minute one of us started singing, the other ones could know exactly where to come in. And it blends beautifully because we have the same genes and it's just <laughs> genetically like works. And so, um, I'm very attracted to that as well with Brian and Topher because they, you know, when they sing together too, it's like, ah, it's like, it just makes sense. It just sounds right because they're family. So I think um, I feel a lot of comfort from the village aspect when you're creating that uh, you have all these people that believe in the vision as much as you do. And that kind of helps keep it moving forward because you cannot do it alone. Mm -hmm. The Lone Ranger thing in the music industry is like, virtually impossible and I I love seeing people like Brandy Carlisle with her two twins you know those guys are so incredible and she doesn't perform without them because it just there's something special that they've carved out that that she can't get um with anyone else and I, I just love that and I mean it obviously works for you as well uh, is there ever anything that like you don't want to say in front of family because obviously if you're writing kind of really personal things or you know maybe you're writing a song about something that's annoyed you about that person <laughs> is there anything you ever feel you have to hold back on well um <laughs> now it's a little challenging because it's like I, I would have a hard time writing a song, a negative song about marriage with Topher because it would be about his brother. <laughs> so if I were like, I got to air the dirty laundry, let's do some couples therapy right now. Topher would be like, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear about what's wrong between you and my brother. So that would maybe be something I would take to someone else. Um, but yeah, like with my sisters, no, I mean, we could talk about everything. <laughs> that's, that's a funny question. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I mean, and as I say, yeah, it works and it's great. And I know this, this album, so we'll, we'll get into the, the nitty gritty of the album because it's obviously a long time coming and you've said it's been, you know, in the works for, for two years. 
is there a lot of of stuff that was there pre-pandemic or is it a lot of pandemic babies (laughs) yeah um that's I want to say it's about half and half because I did a particular writing um camp in 2018 actually and um it was a concentrated camp I think it was like November, December of 2018. So I had just gotten off the road and I hadn't really been writing a lot at that time because I had been heavily touring so much that year. And it was a really busy year for me. And I, and I had gotten engaged. And so there was a lot of things I hadn't really started writing about. Um, and, and I kind of felt um, like there was, you know, with my label, there, there were sort of some things that weren't going in the direction that I really wanted to. And so this writing trip was, or this writing camp was really about me um, starting to dive into like, okay, where am I going here? What do I want the rest, the next chapter to sound like? And so I really started wrapping my head around it, like right after side B. And that's where Hummingbird and Iconic and Sure all came from. and then the previous, like, or, and then the following, like, six months is where When It Rains came from and Hurt Somebody Else. Um, so, yeah, those were, like, pre-pandemic. But then, like, Better With a Broken Heart was kind of the first pandemic song that, like, I was like, oh, okay, this is, like, the cornerstone of the record now. This is, like, where I want to go. And this is kind of what I want to build everything else around because it just felt like the perfect marriage of what I do and what, um, and what I, what I kind of would hope that like, if I was paying homage to my classic country roots, like that's what that would sound like to me. So that started kind of another spawn of songs. And then Honeymoon, which is the closing track of the record that came from the pandemic over Zoom. I, two guys I've never met in person. I wrote that with, um, and I'm trying to think what other songs, um, Bandwagon. Oh, Bandwagon was actually like, a 2019 song so yeah it's like a mixture of all of them and then magic was the oldest song on the record magic i wrote in like 2016 with um shane mcanally and topher brown wow 2016 that's been six years that that's been i know i i really just kept coming back to that song because i i posted a little clip of it when i wrote it on instagram and i just felt like since that time in 2016 people still message me all the time like when are you releasing magic when are you releasing I'm like how do you guys remember that song (laughs) chorus of it like what is going on but for whatever reason it just kind of stuck with people and so I felt like um it was the perfect bridge from from you know the older stuff to to what to what is the newer stuff and where I am now yeah, I love that. And I, I, I want to delve into a couple of the tracks individually, but I firstly the the album title, honestly, where did where did that come from? So I have had that title for probably three years and it um I've always loved the word because in in God Bless This Mess, you know, we say and honestly, I'm just an honest wreck and a lot of people got tattoos of that particular lyric when that song came out and that kind of resonated with me. Um, and I've always, I know it can feel very overdone that this idea of vulnerability and transparency and honesty. Um, but I, I really feel like, um, there is an embodiment of honesty on this record and everything I've done. I hope I really don't, 
um, I can't really play pretend when I write songs. And so I felt like it was just a great word to kind of sum up where I'm hoping to go with my career. And then I wrote another song called Compliment and it starts with the word honestly. Um, and I just thought that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to like bring the past into the future and also just signal um, that this this record hopefully embodies like that that spirit of um, the intimacy, you know, like where I, I want to really share with you things that are scary to share. And I hope you can hold them and hear the truth in them. And it, it really does work because, as you say, this is a really personal record and Talking of some of the songs, firstly, you, you did mention uh, Better With A Broken Heart, which obviously, as you said, a bit of the cornerstone, um, featuring one of the best, TJ Osborne, and it's a track that you've already released and we've had an amazing video, et cetera. But was there a reason, was it written as a duet or did you bring him in at a later date? Mm. Um, it was not written as a duet. And I think, uh, truth be told, when I wrote it, I had in my head this thought that TJ would actually sound really good on it because it just, it sounded like something, and I, I'm just a huge fan of, of the brothers, and so I thought, what a dream that would be if TJ Osborne sang on this song, and then the weeks after we wrote it, I was kind of listening to the second verse and thinking, could, could it be a guy singing on that part? Like, never actually assuming that he would say yes to do it, um, and so I kind of like, held it very lightly and kept it in the back of my mind. Like, that would be cool, but you know, probably wouldn't happen. He, you know, he's busy, whatever. <laughs> um, and then when we came closer to starting to record everything, um, I, I just on a whim, you know, I kind of texted him and I, I guess I had the wrong number because he never responded. <laughs> so I was like sweating bullets and just feeling like, oh God, okay, he hates the song. He doesn't want to talk to me, you know, going <laughs> into like this spiral in my mind and I had the wrong number. So then I finally got the right number and he loved the song and, you know, wanted to be sure it was right for him. I think the brothers had done a lot of feature things in the, in the year before. And so they, he was just very clear about that. You know, I, I, I really want to make sure it's right before I decided to put my voice on it. And then he said, yes. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, collaboration for me is really exciting. I, the song would have been great, you know, if TJ hadn't been on it. But um, gosh, I feel like duets can take on such a bigger life because you're getting two people's perspective. And there's just some really iconic duets out in the world that I, I was like, I want to do that. I want to make one of those. Like, that's amazing. And so um, his voice is just so legendary to me and so unique and so warm and just the intonation of it, you know, it just felt like it could really take on what this melody was. And, and it's cool because it's not really a traditional love song. I mean, you know, TJ's gay, he's not singing to me. He's singing to, you know, whoever he's singing to. And I love that because I think it's very rare that a duet can be a guy and a girl, but they're not really singing to each other. Um, and I think he appreciated that about it too. So yeah, I, I feel like it just um, kind of gave the song a whole new life. Yeah, it re I, I mean, it's one of them, as you say, it's it's not a, a traditional duet. And I think actually in the last few years, particularly in country music, we're getting a lot more of them and they're yeah. becoming their own, you know, their own, as you said, iconic songs. And uh, yeah. it, your voices blend so well together and it's, it's a great song. So hopefully one day we'll get to hear it live. Um, that's what I'm going <laughs> to look for. Um, 
I'm going to have to slowly start to wrap up but before I um before I ask you a few more questions I have three questions that I I ask every single person that comes on the show and um, they might okay. knock you for six a bit but <laughs> they're all around threes <laughs> okay um, so sorry to to flip it but can you talking of iconic songs and iconic voices can you name three songs that you wish you'd have written oh yeah um Three songs I wish I had written. I Can't Make You Love Me, um, Bonnie Raitt. And it was written by um, Alan Shamblin and Mike Reed, amazing. <clears throat> Maybe it was Memphis by Pam Tillis. Um, and probably Sometimes He Does by Laurie McKenna. Yeah, great, strong. That was, I think that's the quickest anyone's ever answered that. So. Really? <laughs> wow, I usually so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna add we I have a tally for the amount of times I can't make you love me is said so we'll add to the tally as well it's, it's oh, I mean just wow, goes I to love show. to hear that that's so funny because I yeah I know we have to wrap up I won't go into it but um <laughs> I've written with Mike and Alan now and I always love hearing them tell the story of that song because it really happened by accident that it sounds the way it does it all now so and anyway. yeah it is it's honestly if you listen back almost I'd say 90% of people say that. So it is gone down as one of the greatest songs ever. Um, what about three albums you couldn't live without? Uh, three of uh, Patsy Cline's greatest hits. Um, John Mayer. Um, I mean, God, I love all John Mayer's records. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Whichever one has Slow Dancing in a Burning Room on it, I've yeah. listened to that. That's Continuum. That That's also probably yeah. the most said album as well <laughs> okay Jillian let's get all right we gotta <laughs> no but it's great I think it just goes to show how great these albums and songs are um okay see now I'm gonna struggle my third what do I I probably tapestry by Carol Ping yeah yeah that that one that, one? do you know what when I started asking that question that is one of the albums I thought would be said the most and it hasn't been said it's been said a few times but it, not as much as I would like okay, okay interesting <laughs> it would have been mine yeah okay um, yeah so I'm I, I love it when people say that it makes me it makes me very happy <laughs> okay um what about the last last question three artists or writers or producers that you haven't yet worked with that are kind of bucket list for you oh Oh, that's a great question too. Three artists, writers, or producers. Okay, so it can be any of those. Mm -hmm. um, artist, Brian Adams. I am a huge, massive fan and I just have a dream and I keep trying to manifest it that just one day, Brian and I will meet and we'll either write a song together or sing a song together or anything. I'll take anything I can get. That's right, um, we'll pack him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really... Uh, I think Julia Michaels is so brilliant as a songwriter and I just love her record. So I would love to write with Julia Michaels. I think she's phenomenal and so smart. Um, oh gosh. Oh, probably Brandon Flowers. I would like to do any of the above, write or sing or yeah, or have him produce a record. I feel like he mm -hmm. would actually be an amazing producer. Yeah, they, I love that, that mix of people, especially. Yeah. Um, particularly Julia, because she has, she, you know, she's dipping in and out of, of, the country world which which I love so much yeah. and so yeah we use it as a manifesting session we'll tag them it, it'll be great yes <laughs> um 
so that is that is it unfortunately it's gone so quickly but it's been so great to chat I've been wanting to to have you on for years so I'm so glad we can we've finally been able to do it um I'm just thank you so much but I'm just gonna you know you've got loads coming up obviously the album is out now and we you've got so much coming up over the summer so many performances you're going on the road with Cam what are you is there anything you're looking forward to the most or is it just getting back out there um definitely the cam tour is going to be a highlight for sure um and we're really aiming to get back to the uk for 2023 that is like our biggest goal i have missed being over there so much and i've just loved connecting with the fans over there uh, so that is kind of our next big hurdle and that's that's going to be my next thing that I'm really you know working towards and then probably my baby's first birthday in November that'll be really exciting I can't believe I think it is something to be said that you are doing all this incredible stuff with a newborn baby it's just coming out of the pandemic and creating an incredible album and a human (laughs) yeah I know I kind of threw it all threw it all in the bag I was like let's just go (laughs) it's been it's been a challenging and unique time but my God, talk about fulfillment. I mean, he's just kind of thrown, thrown everything on its head and reminded me what's really important in life. And it's just a beautiful thing. And it's really fun. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, so thank you so, so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I can't wait to, yes, hopefully next year, see you in person. And yeah. uh, good luck with, with all of the success in the album. And thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you, Leah. Thanks for having me. I hope we get to chat soon and I hope I get to see you in person. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Talk to you soon.